We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Aitlin is intercepted by Sam Mills. Steve Smith is going to go all the way. Panthers win in overtime. Newton steps up, goes for the end zone. Olsen, touchdown! Brian Burns to the house! And it is caught for the touchdown by Moore. And in the foot race, McCaffrey to the end zone. Keep pounding on three. One, two, three. Keep pounding. Welcome back. It's another edition of the Roar Podcast. We are excited about this one. It's draft week, man. It is uh, on as we talk about your Carolina Panthers and get you ready for Thursday night with our good friend Matt Bowen from ESPN NFL Matchup. Matt, how you doing today, man? I'm doing great, guys. How are you? And look, I apologize. We've been trying to get this thing set up and you know, my busy schedule, your busy schedule. So I'm really glad we can make this work. Oh, you bet, man. This is great. It's like an annual tradition now. We did this uh, last draft <laughs> season and we had a great long chat about, you know, Carolina's fascinating draft that was of 2021. And we're looking forward to picking your brain. Our listeners love your work. You can follow uh, Matt on Twitter. Of course, does a great job breaking down prospects there. So, Matt, talk about your show. Uh, first of all, you know, Greg and Sal, Greg Cosell, of course, Sal Palantonio. You guys have been hammering away at this for how many years now? And look, you had a great draft special. We saw that. Just talk about all the work you're doing right now, continuing with that show. Well, I've been doing the matchup show now for four years at ESPN, working obviously with Greg and Sal. And we just did our draft show. And you guys obviously have watched the show many times. And it's a different show because it is more built off a coaching tape scheme, uh, tactical advantages. We are trying to study the, the tape like a coach or a player would on game week throughout the regular season. And, and then during the draft season, it's a little different. Now, we only had one draft show this year because the season was an extra week longer. Right. So we're contracted for 23 shows. And so we had a, a discussion. How do we want to do a draft show when you have a 30-minute show and over 300 prospects? Right. Mm-hmm. So it's tough to say what, what is more important. So what we always do, and we've done this the past three years, is base our draft show or draft shows off the Super Bowl. What are the trends, the schematical advantages, the personnel, how players are deployed in a pro defense based off the Super Bowl tape? So we really focus this year on the quarterback position because every year in the NFL, there are two drafts. There's the NFL draft and there's the quarterback draft. Okay, they're two different drafts in our opinion because quarterbacks are viewed differently, obviously positional value, 
And we're going to see, in my opinion, this week, quarterbacks go much higher than these mock drafts because of the importance of that position. So we did quarterbacks, and we also did edge rushers. Why we did edge rushers? Because of the second half of the Super Bowl. What the L.A. Rams did against Cincinnati and Joe Burrow and how they utilized their personnel, but also how they schemed their fronts. That's a big thing right now in the NFL. We call them loaded fronts at matchup. You can call them tilted fronts. Mm-hmm. And what you're trying to do there is create one-on-ones for your key pass rushers. And they did that in the Super Bowl, obviously, with Aaron Donald, and especially Von Miller in the second half, talking about the Rams' defense. But also the stunts and loops and how you can get rushers free. And then applying those traits to this year's class. And guys we thought fit into that mold of pass rushers can be schemed in one-on-ones and guys can get home off of stunts. So we really focus on those two positions. And there's no disrespect to the other positions. This is a very good draft class. I think it's very deep, especially in the, in the, when you get into day two and early day three. But we really wanted to focus on those two positions because of the importance it played in last year's NFL season, especially the Super Bowl. Hey, Matt, thanks again for joining us. And as you look forward to this draft in particular, I want to stay on the defensive side because um, obviously you're a former defensive player in the NFL what goes into your evaluations, whether it's on the back end or the front of the defense? How are you scouting these college players as they make their transition? Well, I think the first thing is to think like a scout. You want to look at the traits first. The traits are important um, because you're trying to project those traits into the National Football League. But also what we do at matchup, what I've done um, really the last four years is really look at NFL deployment. It's one thing to, to grade a player and say, uh, you know, especially the defensive side of the ball. He's got a long frame at the cornerback position. He's got the recovery speed, good and press, got great backfield vision, I call it. And what I mean by backfield vision is a corner can play off the ball and cover three or quarters and read through the wide receiver into the backfield. That allows you to get a jump on the ball, allows you to overlap throws to the middle of the field and be a playmaker. And that's great, but then what scheme do they fit in? How will they be used? So a great example, I think, is Sauce Gardner, the corner out of Cincinnati. And I really like Sauce Gardner State. And you look at what he can do in today's NFL. Well, the first thing everyone's going to say is he can play man coverage. We all understand that. He's a phenomenal man coverage corner. He plays with the swagger. He's aggressive play style. He will challenge you at the line of scrimmage. And he's going to do that for four quarters. But also look in today's NFL. What do we see? A lot of split safety coverages, right? Mm-hmm. Well, there's quarters or what I call cover six, which is quarter, quarter, half. But what Sauce Garner can do for your defense same thing Denzel Ward does in Cleveland. Why he got paid him, which says, well, Cleveland, they're more of a zone-heavy defense. Yes. What you're seeing in the NFL, this goes over the offensive side of the ball, too, is that boundary X receiver is so important in today's NFL. You go three by one, trips to the field. You have your single receiver into the boundary or to the sideline. And the ability of that corner, something like Sauce Corner, to lock him in coverage. So what you're doing now, guys, is you're playing quarters or cover three to the field side of the formation. And your backside corner against that boundary X receiver is playing man tech. What that allows you to do is get numbers to the field side. Now you have a numbers advantage to trip. Now you can push your backside quarter safety to the front side to take number three vertical, to look for an inbreaker, to go steal something. It's not new. This was around when I played in Washington with Greg Williams mm-hmm. back in 04 and 05. But the importance of that position in finding a corner with man traits who's got the length, all the things we've talked about to create disruption in the football, but can eliminate that backside receiver, that's a defensive, defensive advantage for you. So that's what I mean by looking at their employment 
in the NFL. Kyle Hamilton, for example, safety out of Notre Dame. And I know there's been a lot of discussion about Kyle to Hamilton, where he's going to be drafted. He's 6'4", 220, rare combination of size and athletic ability. But Kyle Hamilton is not a true center fielder. You don't want to draft Kyle Hamilton and put him in the post. That's not where he's at his best. Yeah. You want him playing forward. I use the term explosive forward ability. You know, mm-hmm. Jeremy Chin in Carolina is a prime example of that, right? Yeah. J- Jeremy Chin is a downhill player. That's where you want him to go. You want him driving downhill in the football. So more split safety, rotating down late as an overhang defender, rotating down late as a robber, where he can play top down and be disruptive on the football. So, again, that goes into the NFL deployment because it's so important. You have to take the traits. You are drafting the traits. We all understand that. But how does it fit in your scheme? Because we've seen examples. We can go through multiple examples of guys who get drafted and get put in the wrong situation. And now as a coaching staff, you're not catering or maximizing their ability. No, I I totally agree with that. And one thing I think that should be mentioned in college, at least, these guys, they're with their programs for the most part, unless they're transferring. They're with their programs for three to four years. So they have uh, the ability to learn much more complex defenses at the NFL level. It's, I wouldn't say it's dumbed down, but it's much more straightforward and there's still the complexity aspect, but it's not as much as they don't get as much like, uh, you know, one-on-one time with the coaches like you see in college. Well, I would also say this though, too, the flip side of that is with pro development, you get more time. Okay. You get, that's not your, that, you know, as a pro player, that's your job now, Right. whether you're trained, training in the weight room, whether you're watching tape, whether you're on the field for OTAs and mini camps and then through training camp, you get more time to develop, in my opinion. Where college, you have the time restrictions, right? And based, you know, based on NCAA rules, you have the time restrictions, how long you can be in the meeting room, on, on the practice field, et cetera. Whereas a pro, this is your job. This is your job to develop. And the best way to develop is to go out there and compete. That's what it is. You can take all the teaching in the world, all the film study. You have to see it in action. You have to be on the field. And as a rookie defensive back, you got to get beat a bunch in the spring and the summer to understand how you have to play versus NFL speed versus NFL competition, what you can and cannot do. There's a lot of things you get away with in college. In terms of a false step, your eyes can be a little lazy at times in the secondary. But because you're an NFL prospect, you can recover in time to still make the play in college. In the NFL, No. If yeah. you're down in Carolina and you got to play Tom Brady twice a year, no, no, yeah, right. you just don't yeah. have the time. So yep. that's where all that development really comes in. And ultimately, you got to play in the games. Mm-hmm. I've always said this, you know, I was a six round draft pick. I, I know plenty about the scout team now. And <laughs> uh, <clears throat> the scout team is where you develop negative habits, in my opinion. <laughs> it's where you develop negative habits because the coach will hold up a card and say, you got to jump this route. Okay, well, what if I don't? What if I wouldn't do that in the game? You got to jump this route so the offense can throw the double, yeah. right? And you got to you got to simulate a different defense that's not yours. Okay, that's interesting. Where when you when you play in the games, I mean that that's real football now. And at the yeah. NFL level, it's the fastest stuff you've ever seen in your life. It moves so fast. I remember in training camp my rookie year, I was drafted by the St. Louis Rams, and it was a year after the Rams won the Super Bowl. So I go, and this is back when you had real training camp. You had two-a-day practices. Oh, yeah. You, you went away for camp. We were at Western Illinois University in Macomb. And I don't care where you are in the month of August. It's hot everywhere, right? So <laughs> uh, I remember going out on the practice field, and Kurt Warner's our quarterback. 
Marshall Falk at running back, Orlando Pace. The wide receivers we had were Isaac Bruce, Torrey Holt, Oz Akeem, and Ricky Pro. I've never seen anything like that in my life. Wow. Now, I'm, I'm coming from the Big Ten where people were still in the I formation. Right? Yeah, right. Um, and we still are at Iowa, by the way. Uh-huh, so, yeah. Um, and, you know, Drew Brees, that was, that was the one team when you played Drew Brees at Purdue back then that you got, you know, more pass-heavy concepts, more spread concepts, moving the ball through the air. But a lot of times it was on the ground and play action. I mean, I get to St. Louis, and, you know, I'm trying to line up. You know, I'm trying to remember where to line up. Well, where's the landmark? in the pros and cover two to compared to college. And, and I've never seen anything that fast. So you develop pretty quickly because you have to. Yeah. Or they will, or they will cut you. Yeah. No doubt. Talk, talk, talk about that for a minute. I mean, like your, your process, we'll get back to this year's draft, but I'm fascinated. One of my good friends, Luther Broughton, played for the Eagles, the Panthers back uh, sort of right before you came into the league there, right around 99, 2098. And we were talking about this a couple weeks ago, the, just the getting into – the draft process mode. How has that changed from your era coming out in 2000 to now? Um, I think it's quite different. You know, back then, uh, for example, um, it was called Athletes Performance, and now it's called Exos. You know, Exos, IMG, uh, these training facilities are huge now, right? Yeah. Um, that wasn't as big back then. You know, you, you when you were drafted in the 90s, you, you trained with your college strength coach. That's what you did. You stayed on campus. You worked out in your own weight room. Um, where now, uh, the agents are paying big time money for you to go train with the best trainers in the world. And that's no disrespect to a college strength coach at all. I'm just saying these trainers are going to get you ready to run the 40. They're going to get you ready to run a sub seven in the three cone. They're going to create more lower body explosion. So you get a couple extra inches on the vertical jump. And I think so much emphasis is put, is put in the testing now. Also, the flip side of that is we ran at the old RCA Dome, okay? And the RCA Dome um, in Indianapolis was real turf, you know, not field turf. I mean, real old. Oh, yeah. Turf. The old, the old, I remember it. Yep. It, it looked yeah. the, the texture was different. It was thinner. Yeah. And um, we ran on the sideline. So it was a little bouncy in the sideline. Yep. A lot of the top guys didn't run because mm. the times weren't great. Yeah. It just weren't. So now, you look at the times, and right now, if someone runs a 4 4, everyone kind of goes, eh, shrugs their shoulders. <laughs> exactly. First of all, you, you know how fast 4 4 is? First, and that's the thing. I don't want to go off a different direction. No, you're fine. A 4 a four 5 is moving now, guys. 4 yeah. 5 is yeah. fast. Uh-huh. I don't think people understand that. But now it's like, oh, he didn't run a 4 3. A 4 3? <laughs> no one was running it's a 4 the new, three, It's the new, new, right? It's, it's crazy. This past. <laughs> yeah. This past combine, I wanted to be there. I had family obligations, but I was sitting there at home watching these times. I was like, I think the, the stopwatches are juiced, Matt. It's crazy. Some of these yeah. times are unbelievable. Yeah, and I just think the training is different. Um, yeah. And obviously, every year the league gets faster. The league is so much faster, more fast than when I played. Okay, that's, yeah. that's totally understandable. Because the training, the nutrition, um, the, the, the maintenance work you do um, in the weight room and the training room is different. You know, training – progresses every year and you are seeing faster athletes and the, the service is better to run on. Um, now I ran much faster at my pro day because this is why. So we had turf. We had, you know, back then the indoor facilities were bubbles, you know, like a true bubble where like a dome and you had to go to the revolving doors and your ears would pop to get in. So uh, during the summer before my senior year at Iowa, we had a tornado off I-80 and it 
took the bubble and moved it, it ripped it away. It was gone. My goodness. And so the turf just sat in the sun all summer. So when you ran that stuff, it was like the fastest surface <laughs> you've ever run in your life. Okay. <laughs> and fast track. Uh, and you know, you obviously when you're on campus, you're going to run faster. Uh, you're not tired. You're yeah. not going to meet coaches 11 o'clock at night at Indy. And back then at the combine, we had the Cybex test. And the Cybex test is everyone's done a leg extension of the weight room. Yep. And you do this thing for until you're done, until fatigue. So they want to see how much power and explosion you could generate off a leg, I guess, a leg extension. And you did that the day before you ran back then. Yeah. So you wake up the morning. And we used to run the morning, too. So you wake up at 530 go over to the dome and you're tired, you're exhausted. But I think that's a test. You know, I've always said about the combine and I, I believe in the combine, not so much the numbers. It's just because it's part of the process. It's a test. Can yeah. you perform under adverse situations? Because by the time you run, whether it's 1999, 2000, when I ran or this past year, you're tired and you're mentally tired because mm-hmm. they put you through a lot and you're nervous. That's the other thing. You're nervous. Yeah. I remember being at the combine and having an interview, uh, you know, when Miami and Jimmy Johnson's there, I'm like, you know, he's like, it's Jimmy Johnson. <laughs> no, right. back then, you know, it's a lot. It's a lot. I had an interview with a priest with Miami too. So I interviewed with a priest oh. down there at the combine. Oh my goodness. <laughs> and I, wow. You know, I, and I'm a Catholic school boy. I went to Catholic school, yeah. kindergarten through eighth grade. So I, would, I didn't know if it was confession or not. Right? I, I didn't know. <laughs> right. Certainly, you, you, you've seen the gauntlet between the priests and then Greg Williams. You, you've, you've been around the block there in terms of variety of personalities, no doubt. Yeah, but it's, you know, the entire draft process, it, in, in a sense, it's still the same. Because all the stuff we talked about, at the end of the day, what you put what you put on tape matters, right? Yep. And that's the ultimate test. What are you as a player? The tape shows a lot. Now, it doesn't show everything. We understand. And Greg and I talk about that all the time. Imagine. I can tell you what I see in the tape, right? I'm not talking to coaches, position coaches, the strength staff, the prospects, high school coach. I'm not doing all that. You know, I'm watching tape. But the tape really, to me, speaks very much of what you are as a player and what you can do and what your limitations are. I've always said this, and and when I write reports, I try to focus a lot on positives because I always think from a coaching perspective, if I'm going to draft, we're talking about Kyle Hamilton, you know, I'm going to put him in a position to produce. I'm going to put him in a position so he can win consistently. That's my job. So I try to focus more on the positives and what they can do in an NFL offense or defense. Hey, uh, Matt, I want to get your get your take here on you know, the cornerbacks. You mentioned Gardner earlier, but what what are your thoughts on Derek Stingley? Because to me, I, mm-hmm. I see a very talented player. I, I understand that there, there's been some concerns the past two years, but he's playing in a program where you know, there's just a lot of uh, you know toxic elements that went on there the past couple of years and uh, obviously the injury. But that 2019 tape was as good as any cornerback tape I've seen in a long time. I agree with you. I think Stingley is going to go much higher than being projected <clears throat> because corners who are fluid, easy movers are competitive and physical in coverage, can play the football and can play high level man coverage and go much higher in the draft. And you're going to see that with Stingley. You're going to see that at the back end of round one, too. I talked with someone the other day and it was a great discussion because every year we see this at the end of day one, cornerbacks 
who have man coverage traits, who have long frames and have the recovery speed to get to match and carry down the field vertically, they get drafted much higher than projected because there's a need for that in the NFL. There's a consistent need for cover corners in the NFL. And I agree with you on Stingley's 2019 take. It is phenomenal take. Phenomenal. And to do that as a, as a freshman in college now, think about that. And I understand the injury is part of the equation. And also the last year, two years of tape. That's going to be a very important discussion in your draft room if you're running a football team in the NFL right now. But I've always said this about players. If you put it on tape, that means you can do it, right? Some guys are more consistent than others. But if you put it on tape, I don't care if we're talking about high school football on Friday nights where I coach, that means you can do it. And Stingley has proven that he can do it at a high level in the best conference in America against the best college competition in America. I think he's going to be a very good pro. Matt, let's go down to the front side of the defense there and the defensive lineman, particularly edge. I mean, that's the buzz this week, obviously. And it's lying season, so we know a lot of what we're hearing right now is BS. And so we got to see it play out. Hutchinson, Walker obviously does a lot of great things on the line mm-hmm. there. Uh, Thibodeau, you know, who knows where he's going to fall? Will he slide? Will he not? We'll see what happens. But how do you size up these premier edge rushers, most of whom I think believe will go in the top ten, all three? I do, and I'd put Jermaine Johnson from Florida State in there as well. Absolutely. Uh, Greg did a breakdown piece in Jermaine Johnson for our draft show. I think he's an ascending, ascending talent. I think he's going to be even better as a pro because he has uh, the physical tools and the traits you want as an edge rusher. He can win one-on-one. He can be schemed. He's got a motor now, too. The effort level is, is really impressive. And then what that does for a defensive end, Hutchinson is like this too with the effort level. What that does, that allows you to get sacks late in the down. Okay? Yeah. And those count too. You know, I know everyone wants to see a guy win immediately off the line of scrimmage and beat the tackle and sack the quarterback. We all do, right? Yeah. I understand that. But, you know, football isn't perfect. So there's going to be plays when you have to go to your counters where you have to change your rush path. When a quarterback slides or tries to escape and you're there to make the play, Jermaine Johnson does that. Hutchinson, to me, has the physical tools. I think he will set the edge in the run game. Uh, I think he needs to develop a deeper toolbox of counter moves at the NFL level, which, again, comes down to pro coaching and experience because he will. But I think he's a football player that can set an identity for your defense. Okay, we don't, we don't talk about that stuff enough. We focus so much on the traits. But yeah. I always look at play style, too. Oh, yeah. And guys guys that would love to coach. I think Hutchinson's in, in that group. Thibodeau is interesting to me. Uh, Greg and I talked about Thibodeau as a smaller version of Jadavion Clowney. You know, that speed to power rusher, who I think, like Clowney, we've seen in the NFL, that you can create some matchups with him inside as well. Again, to go back to the Super Bowl, mm-hmm. what they did with Von Miller in the second half. Yeah. They had a loaded front where they schemed up Von Miller against the offensive guard. Well, Von Miller put a, a spin move on the offensive guard because he's not used to seeing that. I love those, right? by the, the old NASCAR package. I love when they do that, yeah. the three or four speed linemen. Yeah, and then now you're getting matchups across the board. And and Thibodeau is speed to power, excellent long arm. You know, he does have some lower body tightness. You have to say that. You see that on the, on the tape. So does Clown. That's why you look at straight line power. But Thibodeau can do that. And as we put up on the draft, so – kind of our critical factors for quarterbacks and edge rushers. And our first one for edge rusher was initial first step quickness. 
how fast can he get off the ball, right? How fast can he get off the ball? Yeah. There's plays in the tape where Thibodeau launches off the football now, and that's going to give him an advantage. Mm-hmm. And Trayvon Walker from Georgia, I go again, go back to NFL deployment. I'm curious in your opinion. I think he can be schemed like Zadarius Smith in the NFL. What I, I mean by that, where he can play five technique in the 30 front. He can play as a seven technique, which is the outside shape. Um, he can play as a three. You can stand him up as a three technique. You can stand him up as a one technique. Yeah, I see a lot of moving stunt him inside. I see three. I, I see a lot of three there. I mean, I see a lot of what you talk about too, but I just think of, you know, certain packages where you plug him in. And, you know, down in distance situations, third and seven plus, three technique. I mean, it would just be a great matchup problem to create defensively. Um, but Zadarius, that's a good comp. I like that. Um, and then, Jermaine, just one more thing on Jermaine, Billy, just before I, I turn it over to you. I cover Clemson down here. He wrecked that mm-hmm. game. He almost single-handedly. I'm sure you've seen that clip of DJ Uyunglele yes. back there. I mean, that was it was a terrifying moment for Clemson fans. They they came out of that game because Will Shipley carried them down the stretch there on the ground. But they, he he's got the ability, like you said. He reminds me of Aquanu in a way on the defensive side. Mm-hmm. He brings that mindset and he gives you that yeah. identity. And I really like his game a lot. I'm glad you brought him up. Yeah, he, he's a really good player. I think he has top ten traits. And again, the draft is usually based on guys that can block for the quarterback and guys that can hit the quarterback at the top, right? And the quarterback position itself. So I think, you know, this is my just personal opinion. When we do all these mock drafts and we talk about it for months and months and months, but it still goes back to what the NFL values. And edge rusher is a premier position because those guys can impact games and close out games. Yeah, I totally agree. And, and with Walker, just you know, for our listeners, and John, you could probably attest to this too, he kind of reminds me, um, at least of his deployment, uh, how Greg Hardy was used in Carolina. Yes. Uh, mm. uh, 2014. Absolutely. Uh, to, um, yeah, 2012, 2013. Uh, you know, Hardy was had a career year in sacks uh, before obviously all the off-field stuff came up. So, uh, And I want to transition now to the other part, uh, the other side of the line of scrimmage, the offensive line, and uh, John, you've already said that Carolina is highly interested in um, Charles Cross, and I'm sure they're all also mm-hmm. interested in Aquano and and Neil. Uh, for me, I really like Cross. Uh, I, I think the other two are really good players too. Um, there's some medical questions with Neil, uh, but what do you? How do you see those top three guys? Um, I think Evan Neal uh, is the best prospect in this in this entire draft class. Uh, if I was drafting one, that's who I would take. I understand we talk about team needs, but for me, it's drafting the best player, and you can never have too many blockers. You just can't. I've always said that would be DBs, too. You can never have too many DBs. You can never have too many high-level offensive linemen um, because that wins football games. That controls tempo for football games, and that keeps your quarterback off the ground. I think with Evan Neal, just his movement traits, his body, his size, um, his ability to win on the edge and pass pro, his ability to run block, understand with Aquano what he brings. And look, if you watch tape of Aquano, you, the tape's awesome. Okay, it is. Yeah, especially when he fit it when he finishes people. It's fun tape. Talk, it really is fun. Yeah, it's fun to watch isn't it. Yeah, and we talked about Hutchinson, you know, and what he can bring from a defensive identity perspective to a team. Well, think about Aquano, what he can bring from an offensive identity. When you put that stuff on tape, that stuff's contagious too. Yeah, it is. You know, as a player, that stuff is contagious. Uh, it creates energy. It just creates juice on your football team. 
uh, when you have guys like that. Charles Cross, I wrote a piece for ESPN. I write it every year. It was last week. Uh, I call it the draft superlatives. It's the best prospects, you know, in a bunch of different categories. I think I had 51 yep. this year. And for Charles Cross, I put the best hand usage or technique at the offensive tackle position. His ability to win with his hands. Our remember Bobby April is my special teams coach in in St. Louis and in Buffalo, one of the best ever. And he always hold up his hands and say, you know, these are your weapons, right? And Danny Smith said that too. Danny Smith was a special team coach in Washington. He's been with Pittsburgh now for a long time. These are your weapons. You know, this is what you're allowed to use in the football field, right? And the ability to use your hands as an offensive tackle is so important. It's so important to take control of edge rushers. On the flip side, edge rushers with high-end hand uses play a long time and are very productive. Look at Nick and Joey Bosa, right? And their ability to win with their hands. A press corner. Obviously, it's I've always said this. You know, this is the coach of me. It's always feet before hands as a press corner. But again, once you establish your your lower base and you cut off that release, now your hands come to play. It's a safety getting off of blocks. It's a special teamer. You use your hands all the time. Yeah. So it's such a vital tool. We don't probably don't talk about enough, but I see that with Charles Cross. It's an interesting class. I mean, we talk about what Carolina might be interested in, you know, things I'm hearing. They were high on cross a while back in this eval process. And I think they like Neil a lot. I don't know if there's medical questions or not from their end, but that seems to be something that's picking up some steam. We'll see what happens. And then I think Aquanu is somebody they would love to have from, like you said, to me, if I'm looking at it from their perspective, Matt, and I see what they've been through, and you saw some of their tape last year as much as we did, Mm -hmm. they they have an identity crisis up front, and they've had an identity crisis at left tackle for about a decade now, and they really need somebody, I think, that just – I think Aquanu can, can learn how to be a technician as a pass protector. But talk about that challenge in terms of, you know, he's a mauler in the run game. He sets the tone. Right. Sometimes it seems like he gets a little bit ahead of his feet there in pass protection just from a technique standpoint because he's so amped up. I mean, what do you see there in terms of where he can improve at that next level as a pass pro guy? I agree with that. And some teams I mean, might see him as a guard early in his career yep. because of that. But what you're talking about there, John, are coachable traits. Okay, so if I'm an offensive line coach, I can teach that, right? I can't teach someone to be nasty. Yeah, I can't. You're born like that uh-huh. as a football player. I can't teach someone to be a finisher like that. I can't teach someone to climb off a combo block and take a linebacker and run him off the screen, right? I can teach them to fit up on a linebacker, yep. but I can't teach them to run him off the screen. So what you're talking about here with Aquano is areas he needs to improve, but those are coachable areas, okay? And and that's what I always say about the draft process. There's things that I can teach. There's things I cannot teach, okay? And the things that I cannot teach, um, are they going to impact your draft grade? Are they going to impact how we scheme for you? You know, if not, if there's things I can teach, then I'm all in. I'm all in. Yeah. Because you want people on your football team with an NFL demeanor. And Iquano has that. We're going to hit quarterbacks last here, but before that, I mean, we got all day here. We could talk to you, but I know our time's limited, yours especially. Matt Bowen, ESPN, is our guest here on the Roar Podcast. Let's talk receivers. Obviously, there's a lot of talk this week about Jamison Williams' stock rising, and there's a concern about the knee. Obviously, that's a pretty recent injury. But it's a pretty interesting class. I, I would say it's fairly deep in the middle portion of that first round, maybe 
Jamison does make a leap up early. You've got a big physical guy like Drake London who can win the 50-50. Of course, you've got other guys out there in that class. Just kind of give us a you know, short view of sort of this first round class of wide receivers this year. Yeah, it is an interesting class because you have different skill sets. I just put out a tweet earlier about the boundary X receivers who have that slot ability as well. You mentioned Drake London, George Pixon from Georgia. Uh, should be in the mix. I think George Pickens from Georgia is a first-round talent. Now, does he get drafted in the first round? That's not my decision to make, but I do think he's a first-round talent. Jamison Williams, to me, is a game-changer. Yeah. He's a game-changer. And someone that can put fear into opposing secondaries. And that's what you want in your team. Yep. And Jamison has explosive traits to get down the field. He can beat you, run away from coverage and deep overs and crossers. He's got instant acceleration after the catch. I mean, it's instantly he goes. And he has better route running traits that are being discussed, in my opinion. And also, you have to look at college system, right? That, that matters a lot with quarterbacks, too. But what system do they play in? And what am I going to have to teach them? Well, Jamison Williams, you look at Alabama's route tree, you see the same stuff on Sundays. Mm-hmm. They run a pro offense down there. That's what they run. Yep. They run a pro offense. It is not a spread, heavy RPO, one-read offense. And... <clears throat> That matters for Jameson Williams and also John Mitchie. That's a wide receiver out of Bama that's not being discussed enough. John Mitchie is someone I want in my football team. He is tough. He's got traits in the slot. He can beat press coverage, played all three wide receiver positions at Alabama. I really like him. Garrett Wilson, to me, Greg and I discussed this on matchup. We, we comped him to Stephon Diggs because he is dynamic. He has playmaking traits, excellent body control, really elusive and strong after the catch can be deployed at all three wide receiver spots. Traylon Burks, you know, the hype is kind of slowed down on Traylon Burks, where it was very high at the start of this draft process. But Traylon Burks, to me, is someone that can be schemed as a motion movement player. What I mean by motion movement is someone that can get the ball on screens, yep. fly sweep, reverses, line him up in the backfield. I think he can win at all three levels of the route tree. Um, he's built, too. I mean, he's 6'2", 225. He's thick. Yes, yes, he is. And he is sudden after the catch, too. Okay, so if you're an offensive play car, he brings, you know, multiplicity to your offensive game plan of what you can do with him, whether based on alignment or within the route tree. Um, Chris Olave from Ohio State. Chris Olave from Ohio State, to me, is a glider down the field that can stretch you. It looks so easy when he's moving, right? Now, the one thing in Chris Olave, he does not play with the physical dimension. Yeah. Okay. So uh, to me, he's more of a perimeter target in the NFL that can beat you over the top. He's an advanced route runner. And this is why, because everything looks the same. The vertical looks the same as the deep inbreaker, the deep curl, the deep comeback. And that's how he gets up on the toes of defensive backs. He's very fluid at the top of the break, got excellent separation speed. It just depends, again, how you deploy him and understand where he's at his best. Christian Watson from North Dakota State, more of a linear route runner, right? a vertical stretch target in your offense. I think he's like a Marquez Valdez-Scantling. He just got paid good money to go to Kansas City yeah. with Patrick Mahomes. He had a good week in Mobile, too. He did. Uh, and developing route runner at this stage. But again, in the NFL, somebody can scheme out of trips to the front side of trips and as that boundary X receiver to get him loose down the field. Jahan Dotson out of Penn State. I think people uh, will realize just how talented Dotson is once he gets into the pros, once he develops in a pro offense. Just the body control, 
can play all three wide receiver spots. Again, not our wide receivers and consistently work the dirty areas of the field. What I mean by the dirty areas, that's inside the numbers, you know, especially inside the hashes on third down. That's more of John Mitchie to me. But Dotson is explosive now. He is explosive. Yeah. He can get down the field, make plays for you. Alec Pierce, I'm going to bring up Alec Pierce because Alec Pierce mm-hmm. went to my high school. Okay. Alec Pierce from, from Glenbard West High School. Um, super athletic family. Super athletic family. His brother. Um, was he a, a volleyball transfer. player? Well, Alec was. Alec was an all-state volleyball player in high school. His younger brother, Caden, just won a state championship, uh, the basketball team at Glenbard West. He's going to play basketball uh, at Princeton. And his older brother was a graduate transfer senior year, played basketball in North Carolina. His father played football at Northwestern. His mother played volleyball at Northwestern. Wow. It's a super athletic family. Yeah, no kidding. And Alec is tough. He's got the play strength uh, to make contested plays down the field. Excellent inside the red zone. He can be that boundary X for you. And I think he's going to get drafted higher than people think because he has to look at the testing, too. He ran a 4 4 one and yeah. jumped over 40 inches. That's pretty okay. good stuff. And the, yeah, and the play strength is going to show up in special teams, too. I brought it up earlier, but I'm going to tell you this. From a you know playing perspective during my career and a coaching perspective now at the high school level, there is no better teaching tool than special teams. Mm-hmm. Because offensively or defensive player, it doesn't matter. Because you have to play at top speed. You have to be under control with your body control, your balance. You have to use your hands. You got to defeat blocks. That's that's football, guys, right? That's at the at its core, that's football. Yep. And <clears throat> When you're talking about wide receivers, especially defensive backs and linebackers, one, that's how you make the team. That's how I made the team. That's how I stayed in the league and tricked people for seven years that I could actually play. <laughs> and also it helped me so much developmentally my rookie year. Mm-hmm. You, you talk about adjusting the speed. Well, that is as fast as it gets. Now, yeah. Obviously it's different. You know, when I played special teams with the Wild West, there weren't many rules. Okay, mm-hmm. You had the four-man <laughs> wedge. The four-man wedge was oh, two yeah. offensive linemen. And two backup tight ends yep. looked like offensive linemen. You just have to run into it. <laughs> the good okay. old days, man. Yeah, you know, I always tell people, you know, get a 40-yard head start and run into your garage door. That's what it felt like. <laughs> Bet. You know? Yeah, so, it's changed. Yeah, and trap blocks you used to be able to put the crown of your helmet into someone's ear hole. I mean, mm. it was a lot different, a lot different. But playing at that top speed really helped me and understanding. And you talk about trap blocks. Uh, those are so big back on kickoff uh, return when I played because you can lay people out. Yeah. And you talk about having field vision, playing at top speed. If you didn't, you were going to be on the ground. Yeah. Give you a great example of somebody. I posted a clip last night, Thomas Davis. He he started out, yes. you know, cut his teeth as sort of a hybrid safety joker. And he played a lot of special teams with Foxy there in 05. And when he came back from his third ACL, he was playing gunner. Matt out there, 2012, yeah. and he just blew up on his first snap coming back from that ACL. But he always talked about you know how important that special teams experience was. So I think that's a great point about Pierce. He's a it's a big guy, plays strong. You're right. Uh, it's a fascinating perspective on his game. So let let's just get to quarterbacks here. I mean, we saved the sure. best for last year. Let's unwrap the bow here because Panthers fans are you know trying to get a sense of what they would be getting. And it's hard to project. We get that. But part of your job and our job, too, is to kind of assist the fans in understanding what to expect and manage expectations. So you've got Willis, Pickett, Ritter, Corral, Hal. That's kind of your big five there. How do you size Mm -hmm. up those guys in this class? Things to look for, things to expect, and some things they need growth areas on. Yeah, well, I'm interested in, you know, the negativity 
to the media the last week on Kenny Pickett, I don't agree with. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, because Kenny Pickett to me has pro ready traits. He played in a system at Pitt that had pro elements to it in terms of full field passing concepts, the movement, the play action, the vertical aspect that he played with in that offense. Obviously, highly productive at Pitt. Um, I think he's got enough juice in the arm to attack all three levels of the field. I think he reads it out quickly. I think he can be accurate and throw with ball location. Obviously, that's going to have to improve in the National Football League. He's got the mobility. He's got the mobility to attack the edges on boot and play action. He's got the mobility to escape and extend outside of the pocket. I think he's a really good prospect at the quarterback position. Uh, Malik Willis, and I said this in the show with Malik Willis, high traits prospect in terms of the arm talent, the ability to throw from different platforms, ability to escape and stand and create off second reaction, plus his movement traits. If you're coaching Malik Willis as a rookie, you, you want the quarterback design run concepts to be a part of your game plan because that will create issues for opposing defenses. He plays with a physical element of the position. We don't talk about that enough. We do not. The physical physicality you need at that position, and Malik Willis has plenty of it. Now, also with Malik Willis, you have to look at what he was asked to run and execute in his college offense. Because the Liberty offense is not a pro offense. So there is going to be a transition period as he develops with pro coaching. But there's no question that he has the traits and the talent to play in the National Football League. And you're going to have to scheme for him early because of that offense he played in at Liberty. And I've always said that because that doesn't mean a prospect can't do it, guys, right? Right. That's what they're asked to do in college. You can say the same thing about a defensive back who played a zone-heavy system but has man traits. Mm-hmm. You, have to, you have to really understand that when you're watching prospects. Malik Willis, there's going to be, like I said, a transition period based on his college offense, but he has the traits. I really like Desmond Ritter out of Cincinnati. Yeah. Greg and I use the term – Poise and composure, and how important that is at the quarterback position. You know, to, to, to not be frenetic when you play. And you see that sometimes with Sam Darnold, who gets frenetic with his feet. Yep. Um, I think Desmond Ritter has excellent footwork. I think he is poised and composed in the pocket. I think he is a pace and touch thrower who can generate velocity when needed. He does not have the arm talent of Malik Willis or Kenny Pickett. But can he drive the ball outside the boundary when needed? Yes, because he throws with timing and rhythm. And guy who a guy who won a lot of football games in college, he won a lot of football games. There's something to be said about that. And that matters. That matters to so, that. Ma- that seems to matter to you when you when you do your analysis. So some people kind of say the QB win stat, whatever. But I think you put a lot of stock into that in terms of learning how to win. I think that's important. I do, I do. I think being on good football teams is important. Yeah, right. Because yes. you're around a winning culture, and a winning culture matters. It, it really does. It really does matter. Matt Corral on on Ole Miss is interesting to me. Again, you have to go back um, to his college offense. And obviously, Lane Kiffin's offense in college is incredibly hard to defend. There's no question about it. Because he creates a lot of throwing windows. He creates a lot of opportunities for his quarterback based off scheme. But a lot of times, you look at Matt Corral's offense, the throw was defined by the play concept, right? Whether it's RPO, whether it's play action, whether it's a leveled read, working across the field, where there's going to be a window to hit it. I said he's a high RPM thrower inside the numbers. What I mean by that is short to intermediate, he's going to put juice in the ball. He's got a quick, compact release. That ball comes out, and he does throw with location. He's a very rhythmic thrower, throws with location. So what does that mean with this discussion of the draft show? Accuracy, in my, my, in my opinion, is the ability to complete the pass, right? Yep. That's kind of a cover charge in the NFL yes. to get in. Okay? Yep. Ball location matters much more. 
Because if you're throwing a crosser and over, you want to deliver what I call a runner's ball. That's a ball thrown to the upfield shoulder. So the guy doesn't have to slow down. So mm-hmm. now your receiving target can catch and go, create production after the catch. So we can throw a five-yard cross that, that turns into plus 25. Right. No question about that. Um, but again, going back to his offense, what he was asked to do, there's going to be a transition period. But if I was coaching him in the NFL, it would be play action heavy. I would add some spread concept elements, you know, some RPO glance routes and RPO pops across the middle of the field to get him comfortable and then work with him and develop him more with full field concepts where he gets back to number three, which is the backside dig route and drives it to the upfield show. Like we see from Matthew Stafford consistently in LA this past season, Sam Howell to me is very coachable traits. Okay. And I think people, um, you know, th- there's not been a lot of discussion about Sam Howell, this draft process, in my opinion, there's a lot going into his last season at Carolina, but Sam Howell has a very aggressive mindset as a thrower, very aggressive. And that when I watch his tape, you can see a quarterback that wants to create explosive plays, who wants to challenge the defenses vertically down the field. He does have excellent second reaction ability. He can throw off platform. He can create plays as a runner, as we saw this past season at Carolina. But I go back to the coachable traits because he does have the arm talent. He does have the vision to read it down the field. And someone who played in an offense that's going to have to adapt to more of a pro-style system in the NFL, there's no doubt there's coachable traits there. And I see a prospect that can come off the board on day two and be a developmental quarterback for you who can ultimately be someone that you can hand the ball to as a starter. It's fascinating stuff. Matt Bowen, ESPN, has been our guest today. Matt, what you got coming up uh, here in the next couple of weeks? I know the draft's coming up this week. Anything to promote out there? Anything we should go to? I know your Twitter is MattBowen41. I would advise everybody to go there now if you're not already and follow you. But uh, what, what's cooking, man? Uh, well, I would say this first. You know, on the matchup show, if if you go to e- if you are on ESPN Plus, it is on demand. So if you want to go back and watch the draft show, it's on demand right now. You can watch it whenever you want. You can go back and watch our throws throughout the season. They're all on there um, to watch. You know, coming after the draft, we'll do some stuff on ESPN.com, you know, based on mm-hmm. the fits we like. Uh, you know, it, I've always been, as you know, John, more of a, a scheme team fits guy. I'm not going to put gr- draft grades out there. Right, yeah. I'm going to tell you where, where players fit, what I think they fit, um, and what's going to lead to the most NFL production, the NFL development. So we'll have mm-hmm. plenty of content post-draft. And I'll be on social throughout the draft, um, talking about players, again, not grades, um, but schematic fits I like. And that's the biggest thing. You know, opportunity means everything in this league. It really does. One, for playing time. You know, I go back, we were talking about when I was with the Rams. Um, You know, I got to start a couple games my rookie season. I wasn't very good, but I got to start a couple games and um, that was just the opportunity of being drafted by the Rams, being a late round pick, making the team. Uh, because of special teams. And then someone has, you know, gets a hamstring or an ankle in front of you, and all of a sudden you're playing. Uh, but the scheme fit for what I did. Yep. You know, when I was in Washington, Greg Williams, great example. I, I couldn't cover anybody. So Greg didn't make me cover anybody. You know, I blitz <laughs> me all the time. <laughs> right. Yeah, man. Play to your strengths. Blitz me and put me in the box, right? Greg, you, Greg you're saying there. Greg Williams blitzed a little bit? I never heard this. <laughs> My, our first game with, with Greg and Coach Gibbs, we played Tampa yeah. um, in 04. And it was classic old school game. I think we won like 16 to 10 or something like that. Yeah. You know? yeah. And I blitzed I blitzed 12 times. Nice. I, I blitzed the whole game. 
Oh man, I'm looking at you. Exactly. I'm looking at your stat line: two sacks, nine solo tackles, Matt. <laughs> it was my only good game as a pro. But uh, you guys remember Charlie Garner, right? Oh and, yeah, yeah. Uh, Charlie Garner. I remember my defensive back coach saying, "Don't take him down the middle. Don't, because yeah. he's going to be in pass protection." He said, "This guy will stone you if you come down the middle on him, and he'll knock yeah. you out of the game." I'm like, "Okay." <laughs> so. This is like my fifth blitz, and I came and I took him right down the middle. And he hit me. I mean, I couldn't feel the left side of my body. Oh, my God. I mean, I was like, I was like what is going Stonewall. on? Stonewall. It was, it was, you know, everyone who's played football has had a stinger. And it's yep. not a serious injury, but it hurts. It hurts bad. It yep. takes a while to go away. Yeah. And I came to the sideline, and, and Steve Jackson, my DB coach, said, you take him down the middle, didn't you? Charlie produced, man. He was a player. He was, yeah. I remember that name of San Francisco, Oakland. He was a big part of their yeah. run back in that, that era. Matt, Matt, this has been fun, man, as always. Enjoy the draft and thank you for giving our, our listeners some insight. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. We'll catch up after the draft, man. All right. Sounds good, guys. Be good. Thank you. All right. For Matt Bowen, for Billy Marshall, this is John Ellis. We'll see you next time on the Roar Podcast. Hey, Drew Scott here, and I'm Jonathan Scott, reminding you that life's better with a home policy from American Family Insurance. They can help you get just the right protection at just the right price and help you save when you bundle home and auto. Kind of like Goldilocks and the Three Bears. It'll be just right for you. We love a custom build. American Family Insurance. Insure carefully. Dream fearlessly. Get a quote and find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.